0: listening to sci-fi tv rewatch episode 432 my name is dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we continue our look at apple tv plus's new series foundation based on the classic isaac asimov novel and i just realized we're at the midpoint five episodes in of a 10 episode season and obviously things are picking up this week which is good as fred notes in his feedback but uh you know, so far, so good. And and uh, gosh, I, I'm sorry, I forgot who posted it in the, in the Facebook group that there is a second season that's already been greenlit. So, oh, yeah, so that's good. Nice. Um, yeah, good for them. Yeah, I'm assuming uh, since episode we well, we'll wait five, till the
1: end of the, these 10 episodes to determine if that is like a just straight out good. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and, 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 you know, as you've mentioned, and, and I certainly agree, the whole foundation series doesn't lend itself well to television and, and, no. and certainly the big screen as well. So I, you know, I think they're doing a good job here, but you know, as we've said a number of times, it, it's kind of loosely based on though. yeah, you know, They're picking their moments. I will give
1: them that. Yeah, they are and they aren't, but like, yeah, the loosely based is, Still a very apt explanation. of
0: Right, and okay, it's fine. I, I, again, I, not to belabor the point, we're, we're judging it on what it is, not what it isn't. So right. yeah, we'll leave it at that. Before we get into what we're watching this week, if you guys want to sh- hit us with some episode feedback, questions, what you're watching, the email address is sci fi tv rewatch at gmailcom If you haven't joined the Facebook group,
1: then get on it and do it.
0: So why don't you go now, first this
1: week? Stop listening and go do it now. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, uh well two things. Um so last week was the season finale, the season three finale of Titans. And you know, while I've have been getting kind of more lukewarm on Titans, and actually I, I mean I I can't the thing is I can't even really say the main reason why not feeling Titans so much anymore, because it is kind of a big, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's enough of a spoiler that I won't say, it, but just to say that they've come up with this plot device in season three, and those, if anyone's watched it, they know exactly what I'm talking about. That is a very kind of lame and facile plot device. Now, to be fair, the producers of Titans didn't come up with this. Uh, the DC Comics came up with this particular plot device in the original comic book so but uh you know through this a lot of the action of of this season has been kind of driven through it and i wasn't loving it but i have to admit i did enjoy the finale Um, i will be back for season four of titans i think it's still enjoyable enough that but i can definitely see it going down the same kind of Trajectory that I went down with, like Arrow, where I really liked it at first. Then each season, kind of uh, less and less, and then finally I dumped it uh, before you know somewhere like season four or five. I think I can't remember when I stopped watching Arrow. So, so, so I, I hope that doesn't happen because I do. I I think they have a lot of you know opportunities for the characters in uh, in, in Titans to. To grow and develop more. Believe it or not, there really hasn't been a ton of character development, even though they've had three full seasons. It's been like a lot of action, a lot of plot driven action, not 100% uh, a bunch of character development. So, you know, there, there's chances out there. So, the other show that I just started watching, actually, yeah, just like I guess it's maybe three weeks ago, it was the, the premiere that I, we recorded it and I think we just finally watched it. This past week, but this uh, sitcom on CBS, I think, called Ghosts. Have you have you seen Ghosts? By not any even chance? heard of it. No. Yeah. So the uh, it's a, the plot device is it's a old house with a group of everyone who's well, not everyone, but a lot of people who have died throughout history on the yards of this house, or whatever. Now there are ghosts haunting it. So I think there's a group of like maybe seven, eight people, maybe eight people, I think. And then well the cholera victims in the basement too, which would add in like another six, I think. Uh, a young couple uh moves in. Uh, the the old aunt dies. Uh and then her niece with her husband move in and um she has a, a fall and bumps her head and now so she can see the ghost now, though her husband can't. And so therein is kind of like where a lot of the comedy is, is driven from as you know obviously like you know like the other night they had a dinner party and all the ghosts were there and and the wife was you know like just holding it together because she can hear all the ghosts and their ridiculousness but uh, no one else can so um and actually the 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 wife is uh rose McIver from i don't know if you've watched i zombie i i know who she is but i've never yeah. seen it Right. So she was uh, the lead in iZombie, and now she's in this. And she's very funny and uh, just a really good actress. Um, the guy who plays her husband, apparently, my daughter tells me, was in Pitch Perfect, um, and he also is uh, very funny as well. And then all the actors who, who play the ghosts are all just freaking hilarious. Uh, and, you know, like there's a, the lady who was built the house, so a woman from, like, 18th century America, there's a Native American, there's a Viking in there, there's a, a guy who died in the 90s who for some reason doesn't have pants on, uh, there's a hippie who died when she wandered away from Woodstock and got mauled by a bear, so there's, yeah, you know, and so we they, they've just barely gotten into the stories of, of each of the ghosts and everything, uh, but you know, that's going to be a big part of it is they reveal, like, why does this guy not have pants on? Why does the scoutmaster have an arrow through his neck? Well, I mean, that one's probably pretty obvious, but I'm sure we'll get the backstory to that, um, things like that. So, yeah, it's it's really funny, uh, lighthearted, good fun for the whole family. And uh, though, m- well, maybe not for the, the youngest kids. There are some suggestive things in there every now and then. Did I
0: mishear you that you have not seen Pitch Perfect?
1: Well, David would be lying to say I did. I, I did not wow See i i'm surprised with kids you know that are your
0: age i'm surprised you you didn't at least pick up on it <laughs> when they were I've watching it but
1: i've seen it i just don't know enough about it to, to know like who's in it other than like oh the, i got the, you okay the main character um, okay like uh what's her name <laughs> yeah anyway uh, all right look well, but- like, Anna kendrick i know her um, the uh, actually the one girl in, in Pitch Perfect is going to be in the the new um, a Marvel series, uh, the Hawkeye series, oh, okay. on uh, Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think she's in. I don't know if she's in the first one or the second one. I don't know. My kids would watch them all the time. They still do. Every now and then they sneak it in. They they watch again. Yeah, I'm not enough of a fan to know like every single person in them. Like my daughters do. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, I'm still
0: rewatching Lucifer. I'm at the two thirds of the way through season three, still working my way through Battlestar Galactica in season one, loving it. But I did finish Squid Game. And you mentioned not appropriate for the kids. Dude, every time I Google Squid Game, once I finished it, almost invariably the article was why parents shouldn't let their children watch Squid Games. And it's clearly not for the faint of heart, but it turned out to be a lot better than I thought. As I mentioned last time, I I wanted to see it to find out what all the buzz was about, and I felt it was okay. I understand what all the buzz was about. And, you know, the ending, again, almost any time you see an ending to a, a series these days, Uh, It it makes me think of Game of Thrones and well, you know, this seemed kind of rushed a little bit. And did they just start throwing everything together? And did, you know, did that come out of nowhere? And I don't know, you know, I mean, some of these shows, they just ruin everything else for us.
1: Right. So so this is that's it for Squid Games? There's no season two or Well, I haven't heard yet whether
0: there's a season two. I mean, it only had dropped about a week or two ago, so they right. may not have made that decision. But but again, everything I've read, it is the you know, more people have watched it in the first month than any show on Netflix ever. So oh. <laughs> I kind of find it hard to believe they're not going to get a a, a second sure. season. Plus, it, it's really got a, a cliffhanger ending that leads you know well into a second season.
1: Oh, okay, the- well, you were just talking about like Game of Thrones. I thought you meant like they were had finished it off already. It was an unsatisfying finale as they tried to.
0: Yeah, no, no, just that they kind of it, it kind of felt rushed, and and you know okay. you're, you're at one point one minute, and then. With 10 minutes to go, everything turns around and it's like, okay.
1: This is like the I, opposite issue we have with Foundation, right? Well, true, true,
0: true. Now, the other thing I watched on HBO Max is Dune. You know, I've certainly read the book many years sure. ago. So to s- say whether or not it's true to the book, as I remember, it seemed pretty true to the book. But uh, I'm sure they took some license here and there. I, I take it you haven't seen it yet.
1: You know, I mean, I definitely want to watch it. Um, I really like the books, but, I uh, just haven't really had time yet. Yeah. Okay. Every time we go to HBO max, I'm like, Dune pops up. I'm like, dude, you know, it looks good. Was it good? It was good.
0: And again, uh, it was really good. I'm not going to go great. If we were giving it, you know, stars, uh, are uh, a grade, I'd probably go a minus. Um, it was good. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, there we're is going to be a. No, no, I tell you, the, the one thing it's not is that David Lynch monstrosity. So, uh, Dennis Villeneuve really did a nice job. So, um, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, if you're a sci fi fan, it's worth two and a half hours of your time. I don't know.
1: It's, it's it, sci fi royalty, man, right? Like the Dune series is, is sci fi royalty. Well, like, it
0: is, but I wonder <laughs> if it were written today would it be so that's a good question you know i'll I'll just leave it at that but um you know it was pretty good and and if you have hbo max definitely check it out so all right well let's get to foundation speaking of sci-fi royalty episode five of Season one, Upon Awakening, written by Lee Dana Jackson, who wrote for The Tomorrow People, Helix, even 24 Legacy, directed by Alex Graves, who directed 103 and 104, and it aired October 15th, 2021. So, dude, you know, we certainly got our wish. The action accelerates, but right off the bat, they piss me off. I mean, do we really yeah. need that, that title before
1: caption i knew you would hate that i saw that i'm like dave
0: is fuming right now i mean we i'm sorry i I don't mean to sound elitist but i think the audience for foundation can figure out that this was a flashback we didn't need you to tell us that
1: we definitely didn't need that
0: no so but what that first segment does and i really love the way they're mixing up how they edit the different episodes like here the first 18 minutes is that flashback to Gale on synax and certainly we're meant to examine that that age-old conflict of whether or not religion and science can peacefully
1: coexist they cannot and- apparently
0: yeah, well, and, and and again, I I've read some things from the showrunners and I I've been, you know, very careful not to get spoiled on anything, but one of the things they've made a point of saying is that they're trying to update Foundation to incorporate real-world issues in the world of foundation, and, and, and certainly the idea of global warming and its effects is front and center in Synax. And I, I'm, I'm watching this and and listening to her father and mother. And I, I mean, how can I not help but think about these climate change deniers? I, I mean, you just want to beat them over the head with uh, I don't know what
1: with and, a science book. Well, with a science book
0: (laughs) and again it just gets so much and you know we we got political a few months ago and i'll try not to but but even when talking about foundation you, you almost have to because so much of what's taking place on synax is a result of a denial of information a denial of the facts and as she tries to point out to her parents, you know, math doesn't lie. I mean, that I don't think that's the exact phrase she uses, but that was her her intent. And I mean, it was cool. It reminded me of that Kevin Costner movie, Waterworld. And, and, yeah, well, I know just visually. <laughs> let me let me put it that way. Visually,
1: yeah, and, right, and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, totally. Visually, you can't yeah. help but think of Waterworld for sure.
0: And, and you wonder, well, why didn't you move to where the water's not? But, I, I, I mean, is the Unless entire there such place. planet in, in this, you know, situation? But Maybe it is. That's what we're kind of led Maybe. to believe, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I, I found that fascinating. And, you know, the exchange she has with her father, especially when when he finds out that she not only went behind his back, but, you know, he sees it as going behind their religion, behind their faith, to enter the contest and again i don't think he says i wish you were dead but he kind of does
1: he and, basically does right
0: yeah and and while you know they they do have you know a, a, a sort of reconciliation there at the end i mean he does hug her as she you know before she goes away it was just very a very uncomfortable scene with her and her parents and you wonder oh my God, how did this young woman live?
1: You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and what I did like, yeah, I thought maybe the opening sequence was a bit drawn out a little bit. Not quite as bad as when we had the, the history of Trantor Empire. Maybe you know there was some details in there. Maybe we didn't need quite so much, everything, but it was still pretty good. Uh, good insight into Gale's character gave us some great insight of that scene that we had we saw before, right? We saw her leave her parents. but we didn't know the backstory really. We had minimal backstory at that point. Um, and now, you know that as you mentioned, the hug from her father is 10 times more meaningful. You know when we first saw it, we just thought, this is a father who's very sad because his daughter is leaving. Uh, but now that we know the context, well, that hug becomes way more, even more meaningful.
0: Yeah. I mean, we see her in that period of her life before she removes her prayer stones. And of course, we see that at at the end of this segment, but she's an acolyte. And I, I think the contemporary explanation of what an acolyte does is apparently a little different than what Uh, an accolade in in the synax religion does because it seems as if they're to go out and find heretics who are you know holding on to learning and facts and information and
1: and reading and
0: learning all that stuff right uh that that idea hunting for heretics and when she has that confrontation with with the uh, teacher who tells her all analytical learning goes against the faith which kind of crystallizes what the whole situation here is and again i just can't go away from what we're experiencing at least in america mm-hmm. with uh, one segment of our population and i'll just leave it at that 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 you know history is not going to judge them well um, i'm certain of that and i i don't know you know wh- you know how you reconcile what she has to face here, uh, face here, (laughs) Uh, Freudian slip, I guess there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I think, and I agree with you that it's a little drawn out, but, but they do get some tidbits in there when, when the teacher tells Gail that this cleanse will pass. Knowledge gives us ways to survive the destruction. And, and it, it makes us think of what Harry's plan is all about, which is to reduce the period of darkness, Preserve enough knowledge that we can rebuild. But as this, this man says, the cleanse and, and you know the, these religious zealots see the cleanse as something good. And, and we understand, we've, we've seen and read enough science fiction that we understand how groups of people like this come about after the scientists and the people we trusted to take care of our planet screw it all up. And then we right. come to the conclusion that, well, it was science that messed everything up. Let's just get rid of science. So exactly we, we understand, but it doesn't make it any easier to accept, right. that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we well, can totally see the trajectory that this you know civilization has taken. Obviously, a you know major climactic change has occurred. And like you said, like the people turn around and said, Hey, bookworms, nerds, four eyes, how come you didn't how come you didn't stop this, right? This is what isn't this what you're supposed to do? Well, I guess your science isn't so hot, so we're going to pray to the sleeper guy, right?
0: And and awaiting the awakening, whatever that is. And and she's like, "No, you you got to build build everything up higher. The floods are coming." And he's like, "Did the sleeper tell you that?" and you just see her head wants to explode but yeah. the other thing is in this segment we get that genesis of her connection to Callie's numbers right that that text that she uses to solve the abraxas equation and that's what she dives down into the water to retrieve so we've heard of it we, you know we we saw a couple of scenes earlier in the series of her reading you know alone by candlelight. Well, I guess what other kind of light would they have? Right. But but again, as you said, we get more of the backstory and it becomes even more meaningful.
1: So, so Dave, I have a question here. So I assume when she dove into the water, it was with the intention of retrieving that book, right? I, I assume so, yeah. Why didn't she bring a knife with her?
0: Yeah, I thought about that. Now, the first thing she does is she frees The teacher right Right. and and i'm not sure if she does that to make it easier to get the book or just that that's some sort of a uh, you know a a gesture to you know to free him of his his bonds even though he's of course dead at this point
1: right little Um, little help to him but but, uh, but you know he's not alone he's got company down there quite a bit it looks like actually
0: well yeah sure yeah absolutely and and uh yeah i mean i guess it makes sense that that's how they would execute heretics within you know within the uh congregation so make
1: uh, a great place for crabbing too
0: yeah yeah. (laughs) um but that that conflict that that she faces at home with her parents Again, I mean, I think it's important that we see it because we we know where she's come from, and, and in fact, how far she's come. Because earlier, okay, we get she's from this backwards uh, planet that doesn't appreciate science. So it's it's you know, you know, poor girl makes good, but but now once we really see what it is she had to go through, it, it, it again makes it even more meaningful. So. Yeah, you know, I I think spending 18 minutes on all this stuff was was appropriate. It was very cool. The the message she gets from Harry with yes. the uh, the hologram that was very yeah, cool. that was really cool. Yeah. Now, did you notice though, at the end, after it concludes, she thanks the sleeper.
1: Yeah. And that was that was awkward. Yeah,
0: and and of course we didn't think she was a believer, but but it's also understandable. That the conflict is still within her. Not Mm -hmm. only was she raised by her parents, but she was raised by her whole community to think like that. And again, is there a reason why science and faith can't coexist? And, uh, you know, a a phrase that I've used on many times like, God gave you a brain, do what you think is right that sort of thing. Well, you know, so I, I think what comes out of that, that just that little scene there is that for her, yes, science takes precedent, but the reason science takes precedent is because the, the sleeper gave me, you know, this beautiful mind and, You know, I'm able to really know what is the right thing to do, and and I think it sits nicely against what she faces when she's on the ship later with the computer, where where she has to really puzzle it out uh, against this this uh, omniscient being that that you know really
1: holds everything in its. Yeah, but even at that point, it's logic and science and and math and knowledge that gets her through and not any kind of of blind faith in something, though. You know, we can even, you know, I mean, the the book itself makes this comparison with ultimately with Harry Seldon ultimately becoming this kind of religious figure, and we already see that happening here in the TV show uh, with the, the people on Terminus. Um, we also know that when she gets to, to Trantor, that Gail does seek out the priest, right? So, yeah, sure. Yeah, so she totally has not completely rejected her religion or her spiritual faith, but certainly she has put it in the context of of uh, of science and mathematics.
0: Well, right, and I think that's, the reason we can accept her removing her prayer stones and then acknowledging that she has not abandoned her faith, as you just point out, but she doesn't feel as you know the, the same level of zealotry that the rest of them feel. So that, that she's got more of a balance, which is really a, a, what it's going to take if we as a human race are going to survive so you know the other thing i like was when when she's talking about the the black hole and the the event horizon which is that you know the point when you're going into a black hole and beyond which is the point of no return and as she's talking about that's that's removing her prayer stones is sort of like that point of no return with her parents even though uh, you know they they do you know, assuage any hurt feelings as, as she leaves to go to Trantor at the end. Well, we find out what happens to Gail. You know, Fred talked about it in his feedback last week and, and mentions it this week. And I think we, we got the answer that we all expected, which is that she's going to emerge 35 years later and be the same age, which is in fact what happens. But, but this part of the story, I, th- I think it's mostly about her figuring out where she's going Here's the other problem I had with this segment. Okay, her, her pod lands in this big ship, which reminded me of Battlestar Galactica and, and uh, the Vipers, the way they would come back to the ship and you know, crash in that little yeah. uh, landing area. But, okay, I know she's been in stasis. She doesn't know how long she's been in stasis, but, but again, she's a brilliant woman. I think a woman of science of her stature would take a little bit more analytic approach to the unfamiliar surroundings she finds herself in rather than simply screaming and banging on the wall. Yeah,
1: she does kind of freak out a little bit. Well, I think she just really, really had to pee. (laughs) Okay. I think that would be like the first thing. I mean, I can't even make it to Breezewood. Well,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the only reason I know where that is is because that's on the way to uh, my wife's aunt and uncle house yeah. in in johnstown yeah so uh, no a- as an acting sequence it, it was brilliant but yes. a- as a character point i it just didn't really work for me i i just kept sitting there in my mind it's like stop banging get your bearings figure out what the hell you're going to do next screaming and banging
1: isn't going to help yeah and well then- she tries to like Open it with the knife, and I'm
0: thinking she's going to cut herself.
1: Yeah, right. Like that thing's sharp. he just (laughs) killed, you know, freaking Harry with it. So you know, like easy, you know. So yeah, like for someone, but but again, you know, as you said, I mean, we could probably just you know blow it off a little bit, saying she has been in stasis for 35 years. Who knows what that does to people? But but yes, like she reacts. In a very ungale like manner, we would yes, say yes, exactly. It's right, inconsistent right. with her character as we've known her so far.
0: Right now, the struggle she has with the onboard computer is just brilliantly handled. She's got to gain authorization, but once she realizes she doesn't have the password, she doesn't have the you know the the thumbprint, the the retina scan that's necessary, and and yet you wonder then, well, Raich set all of this up. And we also have to then assume maybe that Harry told Rache what to do and that, you know, this is all part of his master plan, which is possible. So then you say, well, why did Raish make it so difficult for her to get the information she needs? Well, I, I guess, number one, I'm thinking, well, he knows she'll be able to figure it out. But the only thing I can think of is that he's built in this fail safe if you will that well what if somebody gets there before she does i right. don't want some outsider messing with my
1: ship absolutely and and gail is the only one who has the intellectual wherewithal to figure out how to kind of circumvent the computer to to get it to do or to find out what she needs to find out right And and certainly one of the things she
0: finds out, I mean, certainly the destination is is the primary goal for for, uh, what she needs to find out. But she also finds out that she's considered an accomplice in Harry's death, which, again, later on when she finds out the destination of the planet, uh, the destination of the ship is Harry's home world, where they assume she had a hand in his death.
1: Turn the ship around, ship computer, abort, abort. But hey, uh, computer ghost, sir, man, yeah, won't we'll even an answer, won't we'll even return her text. That's right. harsh.
0: Am I correct in in thinking she tries or she's about to kill herself? Oh yeah. Okay, A- and the trajectory correction <laughs> prevents her. The skeptic in me wants to say, all right, well, there's no way Harry could have anticipated that. You can't
1: anticipate what uh, individuals do, Dave. Right, but then,
0: on the other hand, may, yeah, so right. fortuitous trajectory correction. I guess we'll have to go with that. But sure, you know. So she learns the, the the probable destination. She actually even goes EVA there at one point, and I'm thinking like, all right, geez, they even left her a suit. But then it did look like there were, there was more than one suit hanging up in the. Uh, in in the mm-hmm. hallway the, there, but yeah. I, I I guess that end scene though, where she sees the pools of blood and then suddenly a revived Harry comes back to life, kind of. but it, it doesn't it seem a little holographic? Yeah, and you know
1: because he's like glitching.
0: Okay, it, it, so without getting into the book, that was the other thing. But before we started recording. Uh, I told you there were two things I wanted to ask you about that I didn't want to make sure I didn't uh, spoil. Exactly right. So for those of you that have read the book, I'm not going to go into detail. You, you're thinking maybe it's going to play in you know in that way. So at this point, I mean, w- was he somehow in
1: stasis? Was his body? He, he, uh, we, we don't have. Well, an they, they put him. You like well again. I mean, I am a hundred percent sure that Harry has engineered this whole thing, right? Um, and we do have for Raish. Raish is the one who had to get spaced, but right seems like it worked out for everybody else. And so when they said that he had designed his coffin yes. himself, yes, that's like ah oh, okay. So, but it is weird because when we see Harry at the end of this episode, he's definitely there's definitely something weird about it. like he's like glitching like like you said, as if he were a a hologram or something like that. Right. But uh, you, as you point out,
0: the 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 evidence that we have to work with is the fact that he had his dead body, and I'm making air quotes, placed in a container of his design and then shot out into space. And I think we all know that there was nothing random about those decisions. So yeah, you know, I assume next week we'll get more of an answer. And yeah, finally, yeah, yeah, maybe who knows? Yep, yeah. but uh, we got trouble on terminus. That is for sure. And you know the the Anacreons who apparently number about two hundred. I mean, you know, you know, here at the north I count fifty. And at west I count fifty. So I am like, okay, I can do math. Fifty times oh. four is two hundred. So uh, there you however go. many uh, there are, but. Once again, Lewis makes the wrong decision, defies Salvor's advice, and of course, that is what brings everything down. And I don't know what the answer is here. I mean, it just seems like so many poor decisions on so many levels in this sequence, including the Imperial commander.
1: That right. Well, part of it is all these decisions being made under the, you know, previous auspices of there being a powerful empire that could sort all this out. Sure. And that's not a thing anymore. Like, the the empire is in decline, and uh, here's, you know, kind of like our first real glimpse of that.
0: Yeah, but but even – then it goes back to individual decisions. Okay, so you got the individual Imperial commander here. Are, he already knows that there are three Anacreon Corvettes in orbit. Okay, so that's a bad thing. That ought to alert him that something bad is taking place down on the planet. So then why does he bring his ship in so close that their uh, defense yeah. missiles don't work? I mean, did you not figure that maybe they would shoot at you? Well, I so, I think
1: I I guess we're led to believe that they don't know that that gun exists.
0: Well, sure, but again, that's going in pretty cavalierly, I would think. Uh, I mean, Yeah, I agree. So, now, that said, that was a spectacular special effects Yes. sequence when the ship crashes and then slowly yeah. just ends up disintegrating into a fireball that was just wonderful i mean it was super cool you know again and lewis just just not the right man for the job and and i I don't know it just he just really bothers me that's that's for sure
1: (laughs) and well i I mean i think it started with the haircut you know back on the spaceship and just kind of Degenerated from there, but um though he did have a cool leather jacket back then, I, I really liked the jacket. Um, but yeah, he, he's you know like he should leave the warden stuff to the warden, right? But he doesn't. He thinks he knows better than Salvor, and so you know he he doesn't heed her advice when her advice is dead on.
0: Yeah, and Farrah says you should have listened to the warden, and, and you have to love Farrah for that. At, at yeah. least she gives her opponent. Credit, although it's probably more of a dig to to lewis than a you know pat on the back to uh, to salvor but some pretty cool fight scenes you know maybe went on a little bit longer for my taste but but they were they were really well done but everything happened as farah hoped it would happen Again, we go back to Harry's plan, and okay, individuals, whatever. But yeah, as you said a few minutes ago, the the fall of the empire is really driven home in you know the the scene on Terminus. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I love the the scene when Farrah's holding Salver's mother hostage, and, and she's like. <laughs> If you think I care about shooting her as, a, rather than saving the foundation, hey, you know, uh, there's not that much of a connection there. But then we see right away, or, or we hope right away, what what she's doing, which is, of course, sending this sequence of verbal cues to her mom to duck, and then, and then I love when she says, "Mom, you know, I didn't really mean that, right?" <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just wanted me to die. Do- yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the fact that she felt compelled to tell her mother that, I, I just thought was a really a wonderful scene. I mean, partnered against the, the scene of Gail and, and the situation she has to deal with with her parents as well. So, yeah, you know, really, I thought really well done. Yeah, so at this point, I mean, the bloodbath is underway. I don't know what's going to stop it. I mean the imperial ship crashed you assume everybody on it's killed unless you know the the rubble clears and it's like oh yeah we had these internal force fields we we've still got right. all our, <laughs> our marines so yeah well, who knows you know um are they going to wipe well, out terminus and by extension well, I, the foundation you no
1: know, that's not going to happen you know <laughs> okay. but uh you know, I I think Salvor Hardin is is ultimately going to definitely uh you know save the day here and just she needs to devise a way to do so. And let's and actually kind of... I, I've, I have mixed emotions about the action sequences. Because, yes, we were asking for more action. And we certainly got it, as Fred mentions in this episode. But... And, and I, I did say I wouldn't compare the book to the TV show. And I really meant that when I said it, Dave. But I just can't help but thinking, like, all these battle sequences and all this violence goes just completely against, like, the spirit of the book, which is really everything is settled without having to use violence, right? Like That quote from last week that violence is the last refuge of the incompetent, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and in the book, you know, they even make a point of avoiding violence,
0: you know, when when the different leaders or the different ambassadors are talking, you know, right. during so, a tense so, situation.
1: Yeah. So while I enjoy the action scene, like part of me is also like, God, this is just, it's not just like, oh, well this happens in the book and this doesn't happen in the show or anything like that. This is like kind of breaking away from a very basic and, and one of the central core elements of, of the entire series, you know? So I don't know. I'm more happy to have the action than disappointed, but still, there is there is that. I, yeah. I just need to express my reservations.
0: Well, no, I understand, because that is one of the primary tenets of of the novel. So to to just, as you point out, kind of abandon it to a certain extent. Well, anything else you want to bring up about any of the three storylines?
1: Well, just when um was a fair... You know, Salvor kind of finds something on the floor and stabs her in the arm. I'm like, well, yeah, what's anacreonian for like the F word, you know? Because she definitely would have said it in that situation, you know? You know, they they claim that Harry Seldon inflamed the empire. It's like, um, no. <laughs> you know? well, the like, only-
0: I mean the only thing I thought when she said that is she's referring to him saying, Hey, the Empire's gonna fall in five hundred years, check you later. And and you know, you you think about, well, what would we as a people do if we were given what we perceive to be credible information that something similar was about to occur? I,
1: I don't know. We like the people of Terminus are like why are you freaking attacking us we don't have anything you want you know um and and we're at home we're like saying the same thing here like yeah why are you attacking terminus doesn't make any sense so they like need to manufacture this dialogue like to say that you know that they blame harry somehow for, for what happened to their world which is you know some that's some revisionist history going on right there dave
0: Right. Oh, and instead, all she had to do was like, "My name is Farah. You killed my family. Prepare to die." Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and and I'm that's left-handed. Right. I, I mean, really, that's what this is all about. It's just simple revenge. Anyway, what else you got?
1: Well, I mean, when you get a chance, obviously you got to follow the blood. You know?
0: Okay. Agreed.
1: <laughs>
0: Overused plot device, but still. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, Salver's dad, kind of kicking some ass in the fight.
0: But I'm a scientist. Well, if you don't take this, you're going to be a dead scientist.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, that was good. I'm going to F some people up is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a scientist f her upper um, Yeah, I think that, that might be about it. All right. Well, let's
0: hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back.
2: Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Foundation, Season 1, Episode 5 Last week I was not feeling so well and did a COVID test, official COVID test, PCR test, so not a self-test. Fortunately it was negative and I feel much better now, so that's all resolved. It's also good that I feel better because this weekend I had an obligation. I had to lead a bachelor in medicine graduation ceremony. So where the bachelors in medicine get their bachelor diploma and then they have to study on here in the Netherlands for another three years and then they get their master's in medicine and then they are an MD. So always a nice festivity, but also, uh, well you have to be focused to uh, organize it and get it all done and make it a nice ceremony for the students and the parents. Okay, getting into foundation. Last week you were complaining and giving bees because the story didn't go forward and there was not much action. Well, we got our action this week. And I got my answer on the question whether Gail was not only traveling uh, through space, but also in a stasis situation. Indeed, she was 35 years later. What I found a very strange story is the fact that this pod arrived at a spaceship, a very fancy spaceship, that was obviously arranged and organized by Wrench, or even by Harry, I don't know. The whole Selden people were on a other slow ship, not having much resources, etc. Where does this fancy ship come from? Or was this something that Harry all organized before? And in that sense, the thing that Wayne thought that it was all planned, Harry's murder, uh, etc. I have to say that this 25-year-old... Actress Lou Lobel, who plays Gal, does a terrific job, and this is actually her second IMDb credit. If you see her interaction with the computer on that spaceship and all the emotions that come up, seeing Harry being killed and what what with wrench, Foss happens, etc., um, really, really good acting. And really good acting for somebody with not so many IMDb credits. I hope that she being back in the story will make the story even better and more character-driven. Although Leia Harvey as Selvor also does her best, but it's just possibly the writing, which is so slow. Okay, Harry is back or not, he's facing in and out and bleeding, which I think is a little strange because, well, he was dead and I assume that his bleeding stopped somehow or whatever, so they have to explain that to me. I won't go into the deterioration of the Cleon Empire that much, neither too much on Terminus Big war is coming there, that's for sure. Whether this will give new and more and more action is the question. We will see. Okay, that's all for now. Greetings. All the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well,
0: great to hear, Fred, that you're feeling better. And, and like I said about myself, uh, glad that I didn't have COVID, and I, too, was feeling a lot better. But, dude, when Fred starts telling his story... I almost thought he was gonna say he had to lead a bachelor party. And I Yeah, like,
1: I know. Nice. I'm like That would have no, been so much no. cooler than what he actually has to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um
0: he mentions Lou Lobel's acting who who plays uh Gail and and just Yeah, I mean the acting is really outstanding in this series. There there's no yeah. question about that. Both
1: Well Gail, well especially with her because it's the same actress but she just seems you know, older. You know? Yes, sure. Like I know part of it is that with her hair, right? Like her hair isn't back in the bun, so her eyes don't seem as wide and, you know, kinda of golly gee and everything. But just her acting and her voice and everything just seems like I I feel like I don't and I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch a previous episode, which I'm not gonna do. But I just feel like even the voice she uses is a little different than what she used before, but it just we feel like she is older than she was, more mature when she went into the the pod in the first place. Yeah.
0: Well, she had a lot of time to think.
1: Sure. Well, she had um, a lot of time to count.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. And she does a little bit of that in this episode. Yeah. So then the question, as Fred points out, and we kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago, is Harry back or not? That remains I'm, to be seen. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: I, I'm I'm guessing they're not going to drag that out. I, I would maybe think that's where they open up next episode, which I probably won't get to until I generally don't watch the next episode until I'm done editing this podcast. So uh, probably won't get to see that until Wednesday or Thursday, but definitely looking forward to it. What are you thinking about for a grade? Maybe a B plus,
1: A minus in there somewhere.
0: I mean, I was going to go a minus, you know, I mean, we got some action. The The story was certainly pushed ahead uh, on yes. both levels. The acting was great. The special effects were great. I, I guess I feel like I got to go a minus on this. Uh, one. Yeah.
1: You can talk into it. And plus, I mean, like I, I do want to ex- express appreciation that, that in the last week that even though we record this after they create this episode, that they made the corrections that we wanted them to make, uh, in time for the next episode. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We got to reward so, that kind of behavior.
0: Yeah. No question. So, all right. Uh, any final thoughts or you want to get out yeah, of here? I'm, I'm done. I don't, I'm all thought it out. All right. Well that will do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about foundation, anything else you're watching in genre TV, or anything you're watching in general. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode six of the Apple TV Plus series Foundation. But until then.
1: You know, Dave, I don't know if we should record on Wednesdays anymore, because I could just tell uh, you know, from your your Facebook posted from your text messages that you're desperate, scared, and desperate people make mistakes.